0: All right, episode one, Tip of the Spear podcast. Hello and welcome, everyone. My name is Mike Nasty. I'm your host. And I got to tell everyone, I am so excited to get this started off the ground. Uh, I've been looking forward to this for a long time. The goal for my podcast and our social media platforms is to create a progressive movement of strong leaders. And much like a house, we have to start with a great foundation, a strong foundation, And our foundation is going to be our first episode and our first guest. When I started my foundation in the the fire department, it was as a recruit in training, the training academy. Uh, Our guest today is an expert of training and leading young men and women from day one all the way to graduation. I have my friend Frank Malta on with me. I've been really looking forward to this episode with you. Frank, chief, why don't you tell us
1: about yourself? and your 19 years of experience in the fire service. All right, well, first of all, thanks for having me. Uh, It's an honor. Uh, So uh, my uh, fire service background kind of starts, I would imagine like most, I started as a volunteer uh, in the local uh, community fire department. And uh, shortly after high school, I was fortunate enough to get picked up by the Frederick County Fire Department, uh, where I too served as a recruit for 18 weeks in our academy. graduated you know, kind of went through all the all the ranks and now I, I find myself back at the academy in a different role now a, a much more influential role and um, yeah that's that awesome awesome I mean it's
0: you know it's always something I think especially when you're in a leadership position where you know things come full circle and you feel like uh, you can relive days or, rel- or not relive days you can relive events in lessons that you learn. So you, it's almost like you get a chance to repeat history and you're like, oh man, you know, I made these mistakes or whatever it is. And you could be like, all right, well, I'm going to fix it for this time. And you learn from it and you move on. And I think a, the, one of the best ways to really emphasize that and, and execute that is by going back and uh, teaching new firefighters and, and new people. If you're in the business world, new uh, recruits or temps or you know, whoever it is in the business world that you would be teaching a new job to. So with that being said, uh, you're kind of, I would think, well, actually you are basically mid-level management. You know, you have some field officer, uh, station officers below you, firefighters, then you have your command staff above you. Um, Correct. And I think that one of the most influential positions in the fire service is going to be that middle level guy, your captains, your battalion chiefs, because You have most likely the most experience. You have a a good amount of education and training. And I think you're in a really influential position to really create a culture and influence cultures of whatever it is that you want to do. So good training, um, really good fire department tradition, values, all those things. uh, You're in a really good spot to really influence them. So – at the academy, you are uh, you're in charge of the academy. I, I, am I am I correct in
1: that? Yeah, that's correct. I uh, I manage uh, the training academy, which uh, involves our EMS uh, programs, our in-service programs, recruit training. Uh, so yeah, I, I oversee all of that. So with that,
0: as an influential
1: leader. How do you
0: create a culture of like-minded individuals to accomplish the goal, which is um, graduating recruit school first and foremost, but then continuing to have a strong foundation of education and skill set?
1: Yeah, so, uh, I mean, it it starts at the beginning. At the very beginning, we put a, a very strong emphasis on training. Uh, I like to think that we have a, uh, a very high standard and that standard is non-negotiable. You know, so that helps to set the tempo and the tone right out the gate. And uh, you know, naturally when they leave the Academy environment, depending upon their assignment, you know, that may or may not falter a little bit, but uh, you know, I think everybody probably has those highs and lows throughout their career. But um, even when, uh, they leave the Academy and they go to their, their duty assignments. Um, we have uh, a very young fire department, which entails young leadership as well. So we have a lot of people that buy into that, um, that mentality and that tempo of, um, uh, you know, training frequently and just, you know, and that, and that's not just necessarily fire department skills, but training your mind to, uh, you know, be able to adapt and overcome on the fly or to push through when things get tough. Um, So from day one, you know, we, we, uh, push that mentality and and we try to maintain it throughout. And how
0: influential do you think what you guys do in the academy is on the field? Cause I think, um, what you guys do will get out to the field. You know, you have the new firefighters coming out and their first experience and exposure to leadership is your
1: academy staff. Yeah, for sure. So like, uh, My academy staff, uh, I'll I'll put it right out there. Most of them are handpicked for that assignment based on uh, their performance and how they conduct themselves or have conducted themselves throughout their career. You know, especially in the recruit training environment, it is uh, paramount that you're not just putting anybody up in front of these these young, uh, impressionable people. Uh, The person that you're putting in front of them is their very first and most visible example of what it is going to be uh, or mean to be a career firefighter in Frederick County. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, so it, it's definitely no accident that, that people make it out to the academy. Usually they have set themselves up for success and have bought in entirely to the mentality. Um, and, and, and you know how it is, behaviors, yeah. whether they're negative or, or positive, are contagious. So ultimately yes. we want to promote the, <laughs> the positive ones. Sure. Um, so, so those are the individuals that yeah. uh, I try to surround myself and, and, and um, you know, to set others up for success. So how, and how do you pick
0: an instructor? You said you guys are able to hand-pick them. Um, kind of walk us through who you look for, what you look for in them, and uh, how you make your decision. And do you pick them
1: specifically yourself? Uh, so, no, I, I, well, no, not me. It's ne- never me exclusively. It, you okay. know, I, I don't think any decision should necessarily be made, especially like those sort of decisions should be made sure. by one one person. So, um, depending on the role, uh, depends what we're looking for. So specifically in the recruit training environment, the person who's serving as the recruit class commander, uh, who is their first line supervisor, uh, we look for someone who has, has um, you know, had uh, a motivated career, who has the, the core values that we want to bestow upon them. Um, as well as it's typically uh, a person that is newly promoted to the rank of Lieutenant um, who was um, as a firefighter was, uh, you know, very engaged. So um, in an effort to set them up for success, better as a Lieutenant, you know, putting them in that environment where they are essentially running the largest shift in the County, because it's anywhere from 25 to 30 people uh, Mm -hmm. from all different walks of life. And you know so it's just as much of a gain for them as it is as the recruits you know mm-hmm. as far as the people skills and and what they have to do uh day to day and so that when they go back out to the field running a shift of five people is like a walk in the park mm-hmm. uh compared to to dealing with them so uh that's how the recruit class commanders are picked as far as instructional mm-hmm. staff a lot of times the people um uh, express interest hey you know i'd like to be a part of, of what you have going on out there, and. And truthfully, unless they have something uh, in their background that, you know, is might hold them up for a little bit or whatever, uh, I give everybody the chance. And <clears throat> though that I somewhat contradicts what I just said about seeking out people that are. Uh, that have had a, you know, uh, a notable background. Um, I, I also like to afford opportunities, right? So mm-hmm. if if they are highly recommended by, say, their supervisor or they express an interest, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'll give them a chance. And I, I think the way that we kind of offset, um, say, the absence of a, of a track record or, or any kind of special recommendation is simply by making the expectation known, making it known that we have a standard and, and they're going to have to live up to the standard. And if they don't, then, you know, uh, they're excused.
0: yeah no absolutely you always have to have your standards and you have to instill the discipline in the people that in enforce and personify uh what your department standard is what your standard is for your office um or for your academy staff and, and those people so with that being said it sounds like everything's
1: basically a team effort um oh, 100% man nothing nothing in this business nothing in any business whether fire department police department military um a software company nothing is any ever just one person it's always a team effort sure absolutely and i think as a new officer in my experience as
0: being a new officer i know that you know there's a lot going on when you walk into the firehouse for that first day and i think it sounds like you give them a a, a nice um break-in period of what it's like to say hey look you got a couple recruits you're the officer you have a class or however you guys do it hey look this is your first group of people you're going to lead they're young and impressionable and they're all eyes on you and I think that's a that's a really good thing to start with you do you see officers that start at the academy brand new when they get out in the field do you feel that they have a better uh bearing or a better um foundation to go into the field and, and hit the ground running
1: I, I genuinely because like I said when they go out to the field they're, they're managing a shift of anywhere from five to seven people having served at the training academy when you're running a recruit class of 25 to 30 people and that's 25 to 30 people that have various different backgrounds some have fire department experience some do not um, it, it's essentially kind of joke around and refer to it as OCS on steroids because Mm -hmm. um, every day there's an issue that you have to overcome or navigate. Uh, You know, you are, you're, you're you're their go-to for just about everything. So, um, you know, there's nothing in the field that's going to, going to compare at all to the magnitude of the work. and, And because of, you know, the documentation that we have to produce in the academy. Um, you know, they develop organizational skills and planning skills that that are going to promote them when they they go back out to the to the um, the fleet. Definitely, and you know, from my
0: experience, and I'm sure from your experience as well, you can attest to that. It seems like no matter if you're working overtime or uh, shift swap or it's your shift, there's always something every day where you're on the spot and you're going to have to make a decision, and that's just the way it is. You know, I, sure. I think. I think you know this is something that I've talked about in the past. Of you know, at least in my department, um, only ten percent of our ratings are for emergency calls. Ninety percent is the other stuff that you're rated on for your performance appraisals, and that's true. I think the calls, you know, from my experience, and, and I know, and I you know, I want you to talk about this a little bit as well. The calls w- are going to come and go, but it's that extra stuff in the firehouse that's very difficult. And you're going to have to be able to make those decisions and get get comfortable with being
1: uncomfortable. Yeah, for sure. So, like, uh, and our, our performance appraisals are very similar to to what it, you make it sound like yours are, like, where we have one section that applies to technical proficiency and everything work and, uh, you know, safety of physical fitness. Mm-hmm. Uh Quantity and quality of work, you know, area knowledge and stuff like that. But yes, so the calls are, are a very small portion of what we do. And it's, it's all the behind the scenes stuff that goes on that you really mold these people. And, and when it all comes out in the wash, all the behind the scenes stuff that you're, you're doing to mold these people, whether they're recruits or, or, you know, people assigned to you in the field, um, the behind the scenes stuff absolutely is, is a parallel to the emergency calls and operational stuff as well. They all, you know, go hand in hand. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And you're going to be around the people in the firehouse or the people in your training academy, your recruit classmates. You're going to be around them much, much more than you are sitting next to them on calls. And when I I think you develop, you start developing that trust and dependability with the with people that you work with. Is all the extra stuff. It's that off the calls things that you're going to really like. Okay, was I able to lean on this guy or girl during this, you know, evolution of the training academy? I was really, really difficult. I was kind of slacking. You know, this person really helped me. This person really motivated me. This person really pushed me. And then once you're actually doing the event or the uh, the drill or the whatever the task is at hand, you know, you know, you can look at that person again and say, "Hey, you know, that I was able to lean on them. I want them to be able to lean on me." And you start building that camaraderie and that teamwork
1: uh, that you you talked about. Absolutely, trust is trust, right? Like I can trust that, hey, if I tell you to run this line and I need, you know, I need you to run this line to the front door. And, um, you know, I, I am trusting that you're going to be able to do that. And and the same sort of trust applies when I say, hey, man, I need you to you know, check out the wagon this morning, and make sure it's good to go. I, I am trusting you to do that correctly uh, so that we're ready to go. And, and then to take it one step further, you know, that trust as far as if somebody's got something going on, you know, and they don't want their business out there for everybody else to see, you know, who they can confide in and, and trust to help them through, you know, certain things. Because, so, you know, some things you just can't handle yourself. You know, but trust is trust and, and it, you can't trust somebody in one area but not another. I don't believe in that. Trust is trust. It's a it's a global thing.
0: It's a balance too, as well. I mean, if I can trust you on calls and then I can trust you with my personal life, especially with everything with like the mental performance and the mental health stuff and all those things that are I don't want to call them big buzzwords, but it's very prevalent in society in both the professional and um, personal world, your people's personal lives and the professional world. Uh, mental health is a huge thing. Um, I know a couple a couple of Olympians and other athletes have stopped doing competitions because they cited their mental health. Well, just like these athletes, firefighters are. Uh, as one instructor I had put it, as an, you're an industrial athlete, what you're doing is difficult, and you have to be have you have to have both a strong mind and body to be able to perform and be there for your crew if no one else right you can't show up and be expected to help somebody out of a window when their house is on fire if you're physically unable to do it or if you're mentally unable to keep yourself prepared and ready for the moment to do that you know yeah, for
1: sure for sure everything it, it's all about balance you know and, and you could apply that in so many different directions where too much of one thing. Yeah, you may excel at one thing, but what are you neglecting in the meantime? Because all your attention's over here and it's not split evenly amongst the other things that are of equal importance. And I think it's a, that's a common thing, man, where, where people get very consumed in one thing and then other things falter. Absolutely. I totally agree with,
0: um, you know, if you don't keep it balanced, things can shift to one side or the other. So with all of that, uh, that comes right back to the recruit training school. What do you guys do to maintain balance, teamwork? You you create that mold of the employee that you want, that model employee of what you want them to be, what your command staff and your stakeholders, what they want when they think of a model employee. How do you guys do that and create recruits into a team or develop recruits into a team to accomplish Whatever the goals are for that day, for that that training cycle, that um, that task at hand.
1: Yes, yeah, so I, I think probably the 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 most basic and blanket answer that I could give you for that is, um, you know, we run a, a very much a paramilitary style academy, um, and it, it's everything is an essential part of that training and and that goes as far as when when one person messes up everybody pays the price for it sure and some some people have a hard time kind of digesting that ideology but if you apply that to the business that we do um you know if somebody messes up on the fire ground and doesn't do one thing whether you know say control the utilities that can have an effect on somebody else or if they're unable to you know stretch the line if and you have companies searching beyond the fire without the protection of a line that has an effect on them too so um, just ultimately uh, developing the mindset that your actions have uh, effects on others you know so something as simple as a recruit who may have forgot their name tag that day everybody's going to pay the price for that well this guy you know it seems kind of minuscule this guy forgot a name tag why should I have to pay for that well in the real life, understanding the importance that, like, yes, the name tag is, is not a big deal in the grand scheme of things. But if this guy forgot his gloves and now is unable to perform on the fire ground, that sets up less you have to work with. You know, so that's I, I guess hopefully that answered your question as far as bestowing that teamwork um, where it we, we go through shared hardship together and it fosters that team. Yeah, definitely. It definitely answers my
0: question, and and my next question to follow up with that is, you cited that it was a paramilitary uh, organization. So I would assume that means uh, marching. Uh, that yeah, would mean yeah. um, your, mil- your uh, excuse me, your uniform inspections, and then Absolutely. and then. So with that, those are things that I remember when I was in recruit school. Is you know you check each other, right? You probably sure. have your gear laid out the same exact way. You guys probably do punishments with some type of physical activity, right?
1: Uh, so the punishments with the physical activity, uh, that, yeah, I mean, as long as it's as a group, like the whole singling people out, that's kind of sure. uh, a little bit of a taboo thing anymore. But uh, our thing, and it's no secret, I don't think, if you, if you look at some of the pictures we post or whatever, is uh, when they mess up, we make them carry cinder blocks. Um, and it's, it's the block of knowledge and, uh, they're building character with that. So, uh, when they mess up, they got to carry a block, you know, and, and it usually revolves around two things, a failure to function as a team or a lack of attention to detail.
0: So it's incentivized training. You're incentivizing
1: them. You're incentivizing them
0: to push themselves, to be able to be a dependable part of the team because the weakest, you're only as strong as your weakest link, no matter how you look at it and how you splice it. So. With those things, those incentivized training uh, evolutions, we'll call it, instead of punishments, that can have a really good effect and strengthen your team and motivate people to say, hey, I need to pick it up. Or, hey, this guy's slacking, You know, I'm going to help him, I'm going to mentor him, I'm going to assist him, and then everyone gets tighter and stronger and you create that bond and you create that development. Of, of the team of recruit like all the recruits are now become a stronger team and when they become a stronger team now they start accomplishing goals uh better correctly picking each other up when they're down you know or lifting each other up when they're down like those things is that something that you guys uh is the reason why you do that and is that something that you kind of force and you know you want to you want to um stoke those flames
1: absolutely and you hit the to like where you're only as strong as your weakest link. So even in the recruit training environment where you have um, somebody who makes weeks on the job, whether it be in the fire department collectively or, you know, they did something before this or whatever, nobody um if they don't have previous experience even sometimes as early as you know week three week four whatever um you'll see where even amongst themselves you start to see who the leaders are in the group even as recruits where you'll have that one person that just can't seem to uh, comprehend a skill or that one person who is struggling when it comes to written test because of their study habits and you'll see where uh, the others will identify this, right? Whether it's, hey, man, like, this is the third time today we have to carry a block for this guy or whatever. Mm-hmm. And instead of, you know, <clears throat> turning on them, you know, like, we're, you know, we're getting in trouble because, you know, you keep messing up. They themselves, as recruits, acknowledge this and figure out, like, hey, man, um, you know, maybe you should lay out all your things the night before instead of running around in the morning trying to get it together. Or have you considered studying like this? Or, hey, uh, you know, we're doing pretty good on the written you know, maybe we collectively amongst the three of us in this squad can work and put together a study guide for this one person that's struggling. And we see it in every class. And that is absolutely what we're striving for. That is why the program is the way it is. And um, I, you know, I tell the guys on day one, like they're gonna get yelled at, it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be a long time. but to trust the process because it, it, we're not just winging it. This is, this is uh, our way and our way works. You know, I have 500 plus names hanging on a wall that show that our way works, you know. So um, that's absolutely uh, why the process is designed the way it is. So let me ask you this then.
0: You remember probably just about all of your 28 weeks, I believe you said, and you said there's also 500 people's names on a board.
1: Yeah, so uh, the academy has evolved over time. When I went through, it was only 18 weeks, but currently the academy is 28 weeks, and that, you know, they get a little bit additional education than when I went through, uh, as well as the curriculum's changed, which has, you know, caused the classes to be a little bit longer that they do receive. So the academy has uh, increased in size or duration over the years. Uh, But yes, we are a fire department of 550 people. So
0: that's... That sounds fantastic. I, I think it sounds like you guys have a very strong backbone and a very good foundation for your your new employee, your new firefighters to come in, get a real strong, basic package, and then hit the field. You hit the nail on the head with, you said, when I asked you, I was very specific, and I asked you this for a reason of, do you remember your recruit school? You said yes. So what I remember or what I believe in is as a leader – Everything is going to be anchored to everything that you did from day one. You don't walk in and become, oh, hey, I'm, an all, I'm a lieutenant today. Last week I was a firefighter. I never wore my uniform properly. I always had my shirt untucked and all this. I'm coming in day one as a lieutenant, and I want everyone to be spick and span and uniform inspectable or their uniform to be ready to be inspected. That's just not something that you can walk in and accomplish. It starts in recruit school. And your actions and inactions all the way up into the point of where you're a senior firefighter, whatever that leadership position is,
1: uh, it all starts in recruit school. Yeah, for sure. So like, uh, you know, that that mentality absolutely does. Like I said, you know, people kind of ebb and flow sometimes in their career. You know, they they go into ruts and things may not be the way that it should be, but uh usually and as long as there's strong leadership and accountability you know they, they kind of come out of that uh but yeah like as a a new uh, supervisor lieutenant captain whatever the rank um uh, if you think for one second now that you got some bugles on your collar that you're going to be able to you're going to put it all together and, and now people are going to look at you and respect you because just simply because you have that um sadly sadly mistaken Uh, people's memories are far better than that. I can assure you from the most junior person to the most senior person, they can usually see right through that. Absolutely. And, you know,
0: I I always relate this back to my son. He's uh, he's five right now and he remembers and sees and he hears absolutely everything. And that was a huge lesson for me because one day it finally clicked. The guys that I work with not just my crew, I mean, just anyone in general, the people that you would work with, they're the same way. They remember and see everything. But the difference is, whereas a kid will call you out and say, well, you know, hey, daddy, you didn't do that. Or you didn't, you said this, there's the guys and girls that work in your department probably won't say anything, but they're going to hear and see and remember absolutely everything. So that's a precedence you have to create is you have to create that savings account of, Dependability, leadership, all those things. So, when you do make that transition to the senior firefighter, that informal leadership position, um, or a new officer, you have to build that bank up. Um, so, it's a day one sitting in recruit school thing. So, along the way, you will have failures, you're going to have shortcomings, and things are going to happen. It's just, it just, it is. You have to be resilient and you have to um, keep working. So with that with that point, explain to me a little bit about how you and your command staff of the academy, your, your instructors, the firefighters, the officers, what do we do if you have somebody that's underperforming, whether they're an instructor that's not quite meeting your goals, you have a recruit that's not quite meeting the goals of the department's uh, minimum standards, Let's talk about that a little bit because you know as well as I do as a manager as a uh, chief officer throughout that ladder there's going to be people that aren't going to meet the mark whether it's in, intentional or unintentional it's going to happen so we're there to guide coach and all those things tell me um, how how would you approach that as as the chief uh, chief of the training academy let's talk about that
1: Yeah, so i mean me personally like i the, the people that I would, you know, be tasked with kind of correcting it for would be, would be more of the, the officers that work under me. But as far as like the officers, uh, specifically like the recruit class commander and, and the recruits, uh, you know, scenario, uh, our recruits get, um, an evaluation every two weeks where they, they're sat down with the rec- commander and they kind of go over like, Hey, look, man, this is where you're, they're not meeting the mark. We need to improve on this. And, um, depending what it is, you know, sometimes they set up a, what we call a plan, which is, Hey, you know um, you're not, um, and I'm trying to think of an example, but you say physical fitness or whatever, if they're not pulling their weight during PT or, you know, just some things, you know, the improvement plan would be, you know, some things that maybe off duty you can do like stretching or this or that, that's going to make you more successful as, as we move forward. Because from day one, whether it's physical fitness, academics, uh, whatever, uh, there should be an upward trajectory, uh, as far as their performance, right? So if they level Mm -hmm. off for whatever reason, or if the trajectory isn't going up, we have to identify, uh, what, where the problem is and how to fix it. Uh, so the, the biweekly, uh, evaluations is definitely a, a way to not only kind of evaluate where they are, uh, but that we are evaluating where they are and it keys them in like you know because if, if you don't talk to people and let them know that they're falling short they may very well think hey man I'm on top of this I got it going on and, and not realize they're missing the mark so reevaluation of performance and goal setting uh, is one way to do it and, and and that even you know that that works for us in the recruit training environment but I've also had it before when I was a company level officer in a firehouse where, you have say somebody that transfers in and you always, Oh, you hear about this guy. Oh yeah. He shows up late or he does this, or he's not, he's not good at this or that. Well, for starters, for me, everybody starts at zero. So you could, whether you're a rock star or you're somebody that everybody's talking crap about, you start at zero with me. Uh, and we go from there. So I don't expect nothing of anybody. Uh, I mean, I give them an expectation, but I don't assume anything. Right. So, um, and then if they're not meet, meeting the mark, you know, maybe it's something, hey, we need to train more on this or, uh, hey, you need to work on this. You know, if it's something that's say not so much trainable, if it's a, say like a behavioral thing, their attitude or, you know, how they talk to other people or something like that, then, you know, that's something like, hey, look, you know, you're, you, I think you have a lot of uh, value in your message, but the way you're delivering it is not. Uh, conducive to anybody wanting to listen or, re, you know, respect you, you know, just kind of honing that behavior. And sometimes, you know, I, I find a lot of times some, sometimes it they don't knowingly uh, know they're doing some of these things. Right. So it requires that accountability and that mentorship to kind of let, um, you know, I think sometimes where we miss the mark as, as a, a profession or organization is where they don't, people don't tell you when you're not doing, you know, living up to that standard and, you know sometimes they don't know what they don't know if you're not living up to the standard you should tactfully express that to them and, and you know uh, as, as supervisors and leaders um, kind of help them to to kind of gravitate that way and, and meet those goals or, or whatever the case may be you know a lot of times I think people um, they they don't want they don't want you to always be oh yeah you're doing great you're doing great like they want the criticism contrary to popular belief they they, they want uh they want somebody to teach them, show them, you know, they're not just looking to have a higher paid friend. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. And I think um, there's always gonna be a time where
0: things are gonna kind of go awry and you're gonna have to kind of bring everyone back to center and, and start with uh, the basics, right? If you always If you are brilliant in the basics, no matter what it is, you're gonna be fine. You don't have to make anything super duper elaborate. Things are gonna fall in place, but you have to be brilliant in the basics. So with that, with everything you just said, talking about mentoring and all these different things with the leadership style of uh, letting them know what's going on, letting them know if they're not meeting the mark. And you said it, you took the words right out of my mouth of the point I wanted to make was they don't know what they don't know. And whether that's they don't know how to use a piece of equipment, they don't know how to run a handline, they don't know about the area, whatever it is, they don't know what they don't know. And you have to fix it and you have to tell them. Right. You have to teach them. And you said it very, very well, not directly, but indirectly of you have to be present for it. You have to be there and in front of them, telling them, hey, this is your skill set. It's not working. You're not doing these things very well. This is our two week appraisal. I don't like this. You're doing great on this. This needs to be fixed. And you have to address it with them. You have to have those difficult discussions. It may not be difficult for you this time. It may be difficult for them. It may not be difficult for them, but you you have to clear the air and make it very clear to them and let them know exactly what your expectations are and if they're not meeting it. And that is unacceptable if they're not
1: meeting it. So yeah, yeah for for sure man, that's you know and that, that's a that's an area I see like we've gotten uh, exponentially better. Um, but you know, I I can't tell you how many times I've taken an assignment somewhere when I was younger on the job, whether it was as a firefighter or a company officer where my supervisor didn't really necessarily paint that objective, like out the gate, it was kind of like on the fly, like, Hey, you know, man, I don't, I don't, this isn't what I want you to do in this, this situation, or this is how we do this here, which would have been really helpful to know day one. So that was one of the things that when I became sure a company level officer and and just a supervisor in general, because from here on, right, whether I'm a lieutenant, captain, battalion, chief, assistant chief, whatever, I'm going to be supervising people Mm -hmm. uh, on day one. Day one, usually within the first hour of of their day, we're sitting down in the office and I'm kind of going over like, hey, this is how uh, I run my shift. This is what I expect of my people. Kind of ask them, you know, what are your strengths and weaknesses? What are some goals you want to accomplish, whether, you know, professionally or personally, and kind of develop that rapport right that way there's no secrets um you you know what i'm looking for i you, you know you tell me that's your opportunity to tell me like hey i'm not the best I'm, I'm kind of timid when it comes to this uh and and then we can work through it together but if i don't know as a supervisor you know some of these things then i can't address them and conversely if if you don't know where i'm coming from then then you're not necessarily going to adhere to them either again it's you don't know what you don't know right i can't help you or fix a problem or address
0: a problem if i don't know you're having that problem now if i see that problem i'm going to come talk to you about it or i'm going to address sure. it and especially in those performance appraisals do a intimate personal performance appraisal take the time to write things these things out for these guys and girls because they're looking at you I mean, I'm not saying that people should say, well, I'm not the officer. I'm not, the you know, it's not my job. I'm not the manager. I'm not the boss. I'm not, you know, insert any leadership title. I'm not supposed to be doing it. That's not my job. Well, it's not. You, you know what I mean? It, it really isn't their job. It's our job to create that roadmap, just like parenting children. So, you know, in theory, at least in my opinion, in my experience, and I don't want to be long-winded about this, but, you know, As officers, we supervise our crews, but we answer to them because, I mean, yes, they're technically, they're under your command, but you're accountable to them because you are a link in that chain. And hopefully you're the link that's strong and hopefully you're that link that's bringing them with you. You're not dragging them down. You're not dragging them behind you. You are there together, leading from the front, if that's your style, leading from somewhere in the middle, Wherever it is, setting the example, setting the tone, being the first one in ready for work, the last one out when the work's done, admitting when you don't know things. And I think all of that comes back full circle once they start seeing those things and they're not performing well, and you say, hey, these things aren't being met. This is what I do, and they know you do that not because you're talking about it. It's because you're personifying it. Whatever your leadership style is, you are embracing it, and you are doing it every single day. Consistently, and they can trust and depend that they know what they're getting from you. I think that's going to, and that's where that comes in, where they'll feel like they need to pick it up, or they'll say, "Hey, yeah, I'm underperforming, or I need to fix this skill set, or fix that, uh, th- you know, get more knowledgeable in, in that."
1: I mean, does that make sense what I'm saying to you? Yeah, hundred percent. I think probably the, the the easiest way to sum that up is it's, it's not about what you preach, but it's what you tolerate.
0: Yes, yes, yes. That's a very, that's a very good one, because they're always going to either rise to your expectations or fall to their own. And that's not an. Yeah. It, it, that's not towards any one person. But I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: No, I mean, yeah, it's like, I think you're getting ready to touch on this. But like, if I tell you, hey, I want this, this and this, or this is what I'm looking for, and there, um, and then you're not doing that. And I'm not doing anything about that. That tells the person that it's okay. And it's, that's acceptable. And where it, it truly is not, if you're not meeting the mark, something needs to be done about it. Right. That's where the whole accountability yeah. thing comes in. And that, and that's a two way street, right. Mm-hmm. You know, if, just because you're, you're the, you're the supervisor, right. You're, you're the, you're the face of, of, you know, that facet of the organization or that shift or however, you know, your organization breaks down. Yeah. You're, you're the, you're the point of contact or the, or the face of that, that entity. But, um, it's also a two-way street right like you got to live up to your role as well which you know theoretically in a perfect world there's somebody above you holding you accountable to to your role but at the same time you know your your you're people there should be that that trust and that that mutual understanding that hey or hey lou um you know I, it's kind of embarrassing that when we go to fires you know you know you're not fully dressed when you get out of the wagon or whatever you know and you have to be willing to take that criticism as well like you can't just always be dishing it out you know you have to understand that as as human beings whether you know you're three years old or you're or you're 63 years old there's always room for improvement and you have to have to continually be growing the the minute you stop growing is the day you start dying sure and let me ask you this
0: to follow up with that have you ever been you ever been uh that guy where your crews come to you and said hey look there's this deficiency and i need you we need you to fix this
1: um yeah so i'll tell you the one that like right off the top was uh like when i was the captain at two engine man uh, i i i guess I, I was known for being a little bit of a hard ass at times and uh that zero defect mentality um there was a certain individual on the shift that brought it to my attention like look man like every time i mess up man you're like you're 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 stomping me um and, and it's caused me to mess up more and then you know so like self-aware person, right? Like he said that, and I'm like, well, yeah, I, I could totally see where you're coming from. So I sure. had to, you know, kind of take a different approach. Some people have no problem, you know, with that tempo and that mentality, whereas others can, right? And I, I'm a reasonable mm-hmm. guy to, to realize that there's not a one-step approach to everything, and I, I needed to adjust my behavior um, so as to capture everybody on the shift and, and not you know, can let this person continue to feel like, you know, they're, they're underperforming or, or always doing something wrong. And and it's no secret, I think as a society, like as we, as we grow, um, you know, people handle criticism and, and failure differently now than say they used to. Uh, so as, as managers, supervisors, whatever you want to call it, you know, we have to be a little bit more broad as to how we approach some of these things. And, and the, the, the one-stop shop approach, uh, I don't know if it necessarily works, uh, in this business and a lot of businesses anymore. I think you have to have the creativity to, to maneuver through things, um, different ways for different people based on, you know, how, how they, they handle themselves, if that makes sense. It completely makes sense. And I was very
0: specific, I very specifically asked you this and I'm really, really glad the conversation swung this way. Um, it, it was a little off topic of where we were, but it's okay. Cause I think this is some really good information. I'm asking because I had to sit down talk with, um, as much as I don't want to admit it, uh, a crew member of mine. And, and they came to me with a problem with the area. I wasn't as good on the area as I should have been. I got lost. I wouldn't say a lot, but I got lost enough for the guy on my shift to say, Hey dude, we need you to fix this. And I went out and I made my own map books. And every morning with my gear, I have two, three and a half inch binders of maps. And when I put these map books together, I did running routes from where I work to all these different map pages of how to get there and all those things. And that was one of my biggest lessons in uh, my officer development of a few things. You know, I asked, Hey, look, you know, is there an issue or, you know, Hey, what, what can I do to get better? I feel like there's, you know, there's a little tension and I don't know if it was my actions or I don't know if it was just uh Maybe the, the luck of the day or that maybe the individual is just, you know, always willing and ready to do the right thing. But that person said something to me where they could have easily been like, no, everything's good, dude. No worries. The guy had something to say. He said it to me. It hit me right in the gut. Um, it was a huge blow to my ego. But ultimately, afterwards, what I learned was through time, I feel like people see those things. and They're like, oh, hey you made a mistake. You owned it, you fixed it, and we move forward. Because mistakes are going to happen. No matter what you do, people are going to come to you and say, hey, LT, Captain Chief, whatever. Hey, we like that. We don't like this. But then there's that palpable... They're not going to say... Because people in the fire department don't talk like that. They don't say you're a great officer. They won't say you're a shitty officer. Or excuse me, a, a bad officer.
1: They're going to say nothing.
0: But you can tell.
1: Right. it's 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 there. Yeah, for sure, man. And so like... That's what I always say. It's, it's a two way street. So I, I would really hope that if somebody below me uh, in the rank structure um, has an issue with something, I'm doing it uh, with the way I'm doing something, then um, I, 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 I have a lot more respect for somebody and I have um, will have a better understanding if, if they come and tell me. Right. And I'm not saying like, sure. like hey, hey, chief, man, I, you're a complete idiot. Um, you know, they have to be tactful about it. No different than sure. we should be tactful when we're addressing them, right? Absolutely. Um, but to, Absolutely. To think yeah, to, to think simply because you know you're in a leadership role uh, you know formal or informal, that you have it all figured out and you're not going to make mistakes or have deficiencies. That's a little naive. Everybody, as I stated before, has room for improvement. Um, and 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 even though you're in those leadership uh, roles or whatever again you don't know what you don't know you know you can it's very easy to get caught up in this or that and fail to acknowledge you know where you're falling short somewhere else and sometimes it, it's gonna take somebody bringing it to your attention and and probably the thing that you can do is throw up the defense and and make excuses or uh, you know just just uh, yeah, I guess essentially make excuses, right? You know, everybody makes mistakes, you know, and um, you got probably the it. best way. Yeah. You, you have to own it. Right. And the best thing that when somebody like, Hey man, you know, you know, you messed that up. Right. Um, and, and the the best thing to do is to own it. Right. It takes the teeth out of it. Like what, like, what else can you, can you say other than like, yeah, you're right, man. I messed up. They're they're not going to keep going like, "Yeah, man, I know. I know you messed up. I told you sure. messed up, you know? Sure. Like if you own it, that, that that takes the teeth out of it, right? And at that point, then we could have a conversation and we could work to find a solution."
0: Yeah, and you know, there's times where and I'm sure you've done this as an officer where you make a mistake and you're waiting to get absolutely destroyed by people or not by people, but you know, some you're waiting to get somebody's gonna drop the hammer on you for screwing that up right but then you kind of get like a little joke or a grin and you know what they're looking at you for they know it you know what i mean like yeah man i'm i, I really messed that up i um yeah i gotta
1: fix that and then right. it's, and, and it's dropped and it's handled on scene and it's over just like that it's done right whereas if that person like hey you know well if so-and-so would have laid out you know from here or whatever um and uh you kind of, you're, oh well the reason I didn't do that was because initially you start making excuses. Well then that's almost like a green light for them to keep coming at you. Sure, exactly. And you're just, you're opening up Pandora's box. But that pendulum swings the other
0: way too. So like you need to be able to have the confidence in yourself where even if you're unsure, you need to make your decision and know when you're right. You know what I mean? Just because people are saying that you messed up or you made a mistake or whatever it is, there's gonna come a time in your career, if you do this long enough and you do this the right way and, and you really stick your neck out and, and make decisions and put yourself out there in uncomfortable positions where you're going to be right, even though others think you're wrong and you have to be able to say, no, I know I'm right. I am making yes. this decision. We are doing this
1: and put yeah, your foot So down. Yeah, for sure, man. So, and I can tell you that has never been more evident than the position I'm in now where, um, I, I'm making big decisions, right? Not that decisions like when the engine or, or the truck or whatever were you know, weren't big decisions for that particular instant or whatever, mm-hmm. but some of the decisions now as it pertains to, you know, how we move forward as an organization or handle this or that. ripple um, Yeah. Yeah. hundred yeah, percent. So like you have to be prepared to make those unpopular decisions, right. And they're unpopular because they, you know, challenge the norm or the, the, the accepted norm and you know, the way it's going is, is not sustainable. Right. So you have to mm-hmm. make those changes. And, um, I, I, I genuinely think, you know, again, like you said, it's all about balance. When those instances come where you know, you have an unpopular decision. Um, I, I think I may gripe about it initially, but if you communicate, you know, where you're coming from, um, sometimes that helps to soften the blow and it may even cause them to to see it from a perspective that they hadn't thought about it. And so I can tell you for sure, like I, and I was this guy where when I was a fireman or even a company level officer, when certain policies would change or the way they wanted us operationally to do this or that. And I'm like, well, no, that like, we do this this way here and it works or whatever. And that's because I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it from the perspective of the four walls of the firehouse that I'm in as opposed mm-hmm. to a global perspective as to what's what's the best for the organization for all of the stations within that organization and, and how it affects the community you know and, and that's never been more apparent than the role I'm in decision for the fire department as a whole as opposed to just certain stations you know or specific individuals Yes yes the,
0: the 3,000 foot view seeing the big picture, is ultimately the goal of leadership, right? We have to inform, or we have to push down the department's ideologies, the direction, um, and we also have to bring up good ideas and things for change, and bring up those around us, you know, push them to get better, bring them to the next level, and always, always, always stoke that fire for advancement in their life as a person and in their career. Um, this is a great point. We're, right, we're getting right close to that hour mark. I think this has been a, a fantastic, fantastic discussion. Um, so I want to end with a quote, and this quote says, we should remember that one man is much the same as another, and that he is best who is trained in the severest of schools. And that quote's by Thucydides. Now, the way I understand this quote and this passage is, it means the better the training, the better the performance, and the better prepared that you are. But much of that starts with leadership, and your foundation, and the manner in which you train, and hold yourself accountable. So this is something, Frank. I know that you embrace. This is something that I can see from just I knowing you as a person, um, the friendship we developed. Um, on your Instagram page, and the culture that you're harvesting in Frederick County Fire Department. I know this fire department's going to continue to grow and excel, and I know a lot of that has to do with you. You're doing some fantastic work out there. Please, please, please keep doing what you're doing. Please keep being a fantastic mentor for all these young guys and girls on both the internet and in your job, in your job and then the internet. I really thank you so much for joining. Um, Is there anything else that you'd like to add anything anyone give anybody a shout out anything
1: like that uh no man i guess ultimately for, first thank you for the kind words thanks for having me it was a pleasure uh it's a, sure. it's a conversation and discussion that i i find myself having very frequently with a lot of people which to me tells it's a it's a very important thing and and i think you got a good thing going here man and i wish you the best as uh as your endeavors grow i appreciate that thank you tell us uh, is there
0: where can we reach out to you uh, on social media or uh, anything else?
1: Yes, yeah, so the social media. Like my biggest platform is Instagram uh, uh, at Firefighting Chief. Um, I try to post uh, daily or at least every other day, little training tidbits or mindset or motivational thoughts. Um, uh, and that's probably uh, the best way to get a hold of me. And then from there, uh, you know, we could maybe switch it to email. Um, so yeah, awesome.
0: And we're going to add those links to the description of this episode. Frank, thanks again. This has been absolutely fantastic. Everyone, thanks for joining us. Uh, We hope you had a good time. Please look for for more content. We're going to be out. We're going to try and knock one of these out uh, every week, hopefully. And uh, just remember, tip of the spear leadership. Be present. Be yourself. Be unstoppable. You guys have a great day. Thanks again. Hey, guys. Thanks for joining us for our first podcast. We appreciate all of you who've come and listened. Please like, subscribe, share, give us a rating. Check the links for the contact information for Frank, our guest. Have a great day, and we look forward to more episodes coming soon, hopefully weekly. Thanks for stopping by.